Welcome to HR Masters, a podcast where we sit down and talk about key learnings and best practices with the masters of human resources. Find us through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. Now sit back, turn it up, and get ready to get your masters in HR with our host, Jordi Romero. Welcome to today's uh, HR Masters episode. Today we have uh, Peter Van Kersen. Did I say that right, Peter? Yeah, yeah, almost perfect. Okay, welcome, Peter. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. So I was going to introduce yourself, but I think you're going to do a better job than I do. So tell us a little bit who you are. Uh, okay, I'll give that a go. So um, I was born in the Netherlands. Uh, I didn't want to have a career in HR. Uh, in fact, it was never even on my mind. Um, I wanted to be Indiana Jones when I was a kid. I, I couldn't imagine anything more exciting than traveling the world, looking for treasure and fighting bad guys. Um, I didn't end up being Indiana Jones. Uh, I, uh, I, I started with a career in, in recruitment and I did that for a few years and I, I then realized that I found it immensely exciting to see other people succeed in, in whatever they were doing. Um, and from there, I moved into the startup environment. Um, also in a in a role of um, of, of recruiter, uh, and that's where I, I think that's where I rediscovered my inner Indiana Jones. Um, and, uh, and when I realized that the working in HR for a startup company is is, is pretty much all the adventure that I can handle. Um, so so from there, I've worked for a few immensely successful uh, startups, including uh, Katawiki in the Netherlands, um, Fudora, and uh, Delivery Hero in uh, in Berlin, um, and then Glovo. In, in Barcelona, all in the food delivery uh, sphere, um, except Katawiki, which do uh, uh, online auctions for collectibles. Um, and now I have decided to go back to, to, the, to the very beginnings of, of what it means to, to start a company. Um, and I've joined an even smaller startup. We are currently five people uh, here in Barcelona. Uh, and we are on the mission to create a robot cook that can prepare any meal uh, anywhere in the world. That's something Indiana Jones will be proud of, I'm sure. <laughs> so thanks, thanks for joining the podcast, Peter. Uh, you mentioned something, like you said you didn't want to be, you know, you didn't plan to be in HR, uh, but you kind of became a recruiter. How did that happen? Like, what was the first time you, you know, got a job offer in uh, recruitment or, you know, decided to apply for a company as recruiter? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I used to play American football uh, in the Netherlands. I, back even further, I used to work as a cook um, for, for about uh, 10 years during most of my, uh, my studies. Um, but my, my American football coach uh, one day asked me if I wanted um, to come work for his, his firm um, in, uh, in, in the capacity of a summer intern or, or something like this, just getting, in, getting back in touch with, with candidates that we had lost uh, touch with. Um, after doing that for a month, uh, he asked me to stay on board uh, full time. So, so I did that uh, next to my studies. Um, yeah, and I've, I've had several jobs as, as, as a recruiter since then. Okay, interesting. I didn't see that one coming. So you mentioned, uh, you know, four, well, three pretty big companies in terms of, you know, how many people work there. Uh, Karawiki, um, you know, Foodora, who eventually merged into Deliver Hero and uh, Global. Um, what was the biggest company uh, of these three at, you know, when you were there? How, how many people were working there? 
Um, so that's, that's by far uh, Delivery Hero. I think, I think they have uh, um, up to 10,000 employees worldwide now. 10,000 people. But they grow, yeah, they, they grow extremely fast. Um, and the company that I worked for, um, Foodora, was, was fairly autonomous uh, during the entire time I was, I was with, uh, with the group. And they had up to 2,200 employees. Foodora alone was 2,000 people. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And uh, you were there a VP, VP of People Operations, right? Which is kind of a job title you, you dragged along on your next few, few adventures. No? You started as a recruiter and then you eventually became like this people operations expert. What, what does a people operations person do? What does this actually mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good question again. It's, it's, um, it, I think it's a, it's a title that was made popular by Laszlo Bock, the, the VP of People Operations at, uh, at Google. Um, I think he only took the title because it had operations in it, uh, which, which made the, the developers respect him more, allegedly. Um, but, it, but it's basically taking care of the entire um, employee life cycle uh, from, from talent attraction to everything that's related to HR operations and or admin payable, et cetera, to learning and development and people analytics. So, so those are the things that I was taking care of uh, back in Fedora. But that's almost everything in HR, isn't it? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a fancy title for... Okay, so it's the same as HR. So VP of People Operations is exactly the same as VP of HR or anything like that. Yeah. Okay, and then you moved on to VP of People, then you dropped the operations. So uh, what was Global when you joined and when you left? What, how many people were there already? So Global back then had just um, launched in South America. So we were still fairly small there. I think we were between 150 and 200 employees um, worldwide. That's small for you, I see. <laughs> yeah, uh, although Katowiki was about thirty people when I uh, when I joined, uh, and Fudora also around hundred. So it's 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 a it's a fairly common stage uh, for me to to enter the company in. Um, but when I left, Global must have been around nine hundred employees. And that's again without counting all the riders, all the people who actually do the delivery of the food. Yeah. And now you went from like. 10,000, 2,900 people to a company of four or five people? How's, how's that changed? Like, don't you feel alone in the office? <laughs> it's, been, it's been very lonely. <laughs> Although yeah. it's, um, it's, it's also been uh, the first time in, in years that I can just enter the office and, and, and focus on, on things uh, for a longer period of time um, and not be distracted by whatever is going on. Um, so that's, that's been an interesting experience. So that's a uh, you know we had uh, you know Alexa in our previous uh, version of the in the previous episode of the podcast and we were asking her uh, when do startups or companies in general uh, bring in their first HR people and we talked about this range all the way from 25 people to 40 50 people that's what typically makes a company realize they need somebody in HR. How does a company of like three four people decide to bring in a chief of people talent and culture? How how did that happen? Why why did the company decide that it was you know worth bringing you in so early? Yeah, I don't I don't think they were planning on it. Um, it's it's a bit of a weird story, but I met this guy in a bar. <laughs> All the good stories start like that. <laughs> um, he, he was he was he was rushing to make things worse, but. Um, we, we, we kind of started talking. Um, I immediately fell in love with the project and, and kind of made him realize that it, yes, it, it, would, be, it would be a huge investment to, to, get, to get someone in HR in, as their first employee. Um, but it, I think it's already 
paying off because I have a huge background in, in recruitment and it's things are things are extremely hands-on at the moment um, we're hiring lots and lots of people so we, we, we plan to be about 50 employees by the end of the year um, okay. but obviously I, I like to think that I bring the added benefit of, of having done um, this uh, this before and, and like to think that we can scale um, sustainably now Okay, that's interesting. It's definitely not the usual path. So um, now that the audience knows you a little bit more, Peter, um, you and I spoke before, and one of the topics that clearly you know brought your passion uh, up to the surface is everything that has to do with automation in HR, right? Uh, you very fast started, you know, and obviously we we run Factorial, so we think a little bit about automating things in HR. Um, tell us why you're so passionate about it. Like, what what do you think is the problem in the world right now that needs HR automation? Yeah, so I, I think I think the the whole world, especially in um, in, in companies, has already caught up um, with with the immense workload um, that's sort of created around us. Except except in HR, a lot of and to to a certain extent, this is due to some bureaucratic processes in in, in, in countries, um, uh, but. But simply, the tools are available now to gather and process data much, much faster than, than they were 20 or 30 years ago. Um, but most, most countries haven't caught up and most HR departments haven't, haven't caught up. So when I joined um, Fudora, keeping in mind my recruitment background, um, I was first exposed to my, my teammates on the HR side of things, um, having to, to file paper, piles and piles of paperwork um, for every employee, and we were hiring 60 employees per month. So I just saw them drown in, in paperwork um, and, and, and get burned out. I go absolutely crazy. So this is when I started to look into, into the issue, and I found that there were, there were some small startups and some HR information systems that were, that were trying to tackle the, the problem, um, but they weren't really either accessible. In other words, we couldn't implement an HRIS like this in, in a week rather than a few months. Um, or we just didn't know about them, or we didn't have the money uh, for them. Um, and that's when we started hacking together uh, uh, through Google Forms and, and whatnot, um, just the processes to, to lift the burden uh, from, from these guys. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that's where I, I, I would say I got passionate with the, with the topic, but I, I found it very interesting, um, and I've, I tried to make it uh, a thing throughout my career. So that's a, it's a typically, uh, it's a very clear sign when, when people are so frustrated that they start hacking together like external systems that they're not meant to do that uh, just to fix some problems. So what would you say, I mean, you mentioned bureaucracy and administration. Now we know uh, Europe in general tends to be a big fan of doing a lot of paperwork for, for the simplest thing. Uh, but unless you can change the law or you can change the government, which is something that at least takes time, you know, if that's even possible, uh, how can you fix anything with uh, Google Forms and, and a little bit of automation? Yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's not necessarily about fixing uh, government processes, um, but, but at least you can, you can make sure that things are optimized on your end. And I'll, I'll give an example. So back in, in Germany, um, we, were using, we were losing vast amount of time um, printing papers, handing them to employees on their first day. They would then have to fill them out. We would scan them but also put the information in a digital system from the handwritten forms. Um, so this is the first thing that we, that we changed. All the forms that we submitted had to have a certain logo on it. It had to be in a certain format. Um, so what we did is simply 
recreate that form in, in a Google Doc um, and had it autom automatically filled using a Google Sheet or a, a Google Form. Um, and that, that, that saved us so much time that we could spend that time actually um, showing the new employees around and making sure that they had a wonderful onboarding rather than filling out and signing forms all day. Um, and and I, think, I think we'll get to a point where um, government agencies realize that this is just inefficient and, and my hope is that they'll immediately jump to a blockchain solution uh, that, will, that will make things a lot easier and, and more efficient, but um, I don't know. So I had a question, it's just, uh, I had a question around that, but since you're already with the blockchain, so tell us, how do you think blockchain can, can help HR? So, so I think in my ideal scenario, um, we, we, we all carry our identity on an app on our, on our phones or whatever device we'll use then. Um, that's all blockchain certified um, and, and you know, we'll use that to, to pay or to take a loan, but also to um, let your company know who you are and sign, sign documents. Um, and since, since there's almost no way to, to falsify uh, that, we could easily use that for identification in social security or taxation systems, et cetera. So you're, but then your dream is bigger than HR. You're assuming that the whole society is going to be driven by, by this shared blockchain uh, that's actually going to be recognized by the government, right? Because you mentioned social security and tax agency, and I, I mean, so far I don't think uh, central governments are a big base of decentralized networks where they actually play a role. But um, do you think that's something that's happening in the next three to five years, or that's something that maybe you know, if ever? In the future, yeah, no, I don't. I don't really see that happening in, in such a short time frame. But what I do okay. see happening is, um, is is blockchain being used, and I know of a few companies that are doing this to to support the gig economy, and that more um, more jobs will be gigged out, so to say. Um, you just offer your services on on a blockchain solution. Although, yeah, I think we're we're still uh, far away. So at least in the intra-company not not with the government maybe but intra-company like leverage the blockchain is there is there any other new technology or, or newly available um you know from a mass market uh, perspective like you know ai ml big data that you think could play a role or will play a role in uh, hr um yeah I, th I think especially in in talent attraction um we will come a long way with with ai i think i think a, the, the, the state of AI, AI at the moment um, is, is already quite useful in, in terms of yep. uh, parsing and scanning uh, CVs, in terms of uh, facial and, and, and micro expression recognition in, in video interviews, uh, for example. Um, so okay. I, think, uh, I, think, I think with solutions like this, we'll make it easier to um, not only match candidates to jobs based on qualifications, but also find out things about them that we didn't even know we were looking for um, uh, and just and get to know what people are really like uh, so efficient talking for HR is this something that really happens like social networks I remember back in the day when when social networks were a new thing uh, there was a lot of issues with HR kind of getting in in, in social media not to know you know what these people really wear uh, other than their cv do you do you think that still has a big impact or everybody's kind of normalized their online presence to the to the offline i, th I think quite the opposite has happened 
I think I think with platforms like uh, like LinkedIn, it's much easier to to project yourself or, or to portray yourself as something something different uh, than than you actually are. Um, and it's a, it's a very interesting um, sort of sidetrack from that. I'm, I'm now beta testing a tool called Bunch AI that scans a LinkedIn profile and give you um, a, a sort of a personality assessment uh, based based on the on what they've written about themselves, um, which is which is quite interesting because it, it would theoretically be the, the personality assessment of the person that they've tried to be rather than the person that they actually are. Uh -huh. That's true. Okay, and uh, interesting. So all of these things you said like this, I mean, some sounded closer than the others in, you know, in the future, in the timeline, because you, you mentioned some sort of like intelligent job recommendation or, you know, like CV uh, profiler, and then you mentioned others such as facial recognition in video interviews. Uh, are these things you're using already or that you've used or things that you think will happen or things that you know are happening already? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I know that, that there are a few companies um, in, in video interviewing that are that claim they have um, significant results. Um, and we've, we've tested it at Foodora. Okay. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't turn out to be the right solution for us because it, the, the model just needs so much uh, data um, to, to train on. And, 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 and would need constant feedback. Imagine, imagine claiming to recognize when someone is lying about their, uh, their past experience. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty serious statement to make. It's a bit scary as well, but will definitely happen. Um, there's another area no, that we uh, you know, sometimes look into, which is there is the bureaucracy of bringing in a new employee or you know, when an employee leaves a company and so on, but there's this other trail of data that you know, people started calling people analytics or people data a while ago. Um, is this something you've seen or you've leveraged in these you know, much bigger organizations and then especially super fast growing organizations that you've been at? Yeah, a little bit. How, how does one use people analytics for you know, real, real world you know, useful case? Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, I, think, I think people would, would call or could call um, your, your yearly engagement survey already people analytics, right? It's a, it's a, it's, um, a heartbeat of, of how, how happy people are in the organization. Um, and if you know that, you could potentially correlate it with a bunch of other information. For example, when people churn um, look for a new job or when they um, report in sick, um, when they start asking for promotions, or, or, or you could, you could, um, you could kind of overlap it with the with the promotion cycles or the salary review cycles. And it's very interesting to see what happens after salary review cycle, and it's usually engagement dropping rather than than increasing. So, um, who is doing that? I mean, these are cool ideas, but um, you know, does HR have a data scientist now doing all of these crazy reports? Yeah, I think they should. <laughs> they should. Okay. Where where we've where we where where gone furthest uh, with these ideas was in Fudora, um, where we where we had reasonably accurate um, engagement data, where we would, would run a survey every month. Okay, so it was self-reported. So people said, you know, like I'm happy at work, or I'm working too much, or whatever they said. Yeah, and okay. this this was a so-called MPS or an EMPS uh, score, um, but it but it also asked around 22 questions, around 14 so-called drivers, um, okay. from, from recognition to autonomy to uh, the, the tools at work, et cetera. Okay, 
you can if, if there's any like uh, technique or methodology that that we mentioned during the podcast you can send us later the links and then we'll publish them in the notes um, okay interesting so you mentioned obviously this is a 10,000 uh, employee company with a 2,000 employee division or group which is Foodora inside of a much bigger company what about SMEs does an SME have people data or people analytics a company with like 25 employees or 100 employees does it have any data that's worth looking into they they do well i i assume that they wouldn't have um a, a, an, an engagement survey as, as big and as, as thorough as, as those larger companies do but but then there's also the question how how valid they they really are um i imagine in those smaller companies there's there's a lot more rich uh, data um, in other words people just talking to each other and HR being in touch with, with pretty much the whole company knowing what's going on. So the, the problem with that obviously is that it isn't digital um, yeah. and, it, and it isn't, it isn't uh, quantifiable. Yeah, it isn't the, the same type of data, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned, well, sorry, just, I, I want to interrupt you there because you mentioned, uh, I imagine these people don't typically do this, you know, high quality surveys to their employees, uh, but should they, should they be doing those interviews? What do you think? Yeah, I think I think so, and and I, and I, but I, I also think that um, there are, the, the trend in, in in HR at the moment is to think that that employee engagement surveys are the are the be all end all, um, but I'm a bit skeptical about them. So what what I think they should do is make it easy, um, and and yeah, to, to make it easier for people to give reliable information. Um, I think I think we should gather a lot more information rather than um, ask, asking people how how happy they are at work because it doesn't really mean anything. Some some personality types are just happier than others, and then if you want high engagement scores, you should just hire happy people. Um, so so what I what I am a proponent of is is sort of keeping a finger on the pulse continuously, um, and then you could you could ask for much more interesting. Uh, things than how happy are you with work. You could also ask for continuous feedback about the people that you work with or, or what is bothering you uh, at work. So, and, I, and I think I think big and small companies can do that just as well. Okay, and big big companies do that and small don't? Um, I think big companies generally think that they uh, think that the implementation of a single tool um, is going to solve all their problems or is going to give them relevant information and small companies either neglected or HR is too busy doing other things. Um, but, but I think the tools are out there and, and, and scale no matter how big the, the company is. Okay, interesting. Um, so we're talking a lot about employee feedback right now, no? mostly the examples we both gave were around satisfaction and engagement and so on. But there's another uh, dimension of uh, following an employee through the lifetime of a company with data, which is their performance. Um, do you do you think this is something that is properly being automated? Do you think that's something that's done well? Like, have have you ever seen the good performance management implemented in one of the companies you worked with? No, not really. Okay, that's sad. I was hoping for a yes. <laughs> no, so, so I, 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 think, I think it depends a bit on, on what, what we would define as a good performance management system. And I, I think we'll, we'll get close by saying that it's something that um, is... Uh, objective or as close to objective as, as possible um, is actually aimed at improving the the employee um, and and the and the eventual output um, serves the serves the company uh, is easy to conduct and is 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 generally 
liked or not despised by by the employee and i don't think there's anything that comes close um, and i think one of i think i think the reasons go a lot deeper than than we probably realize um okay it's, it's, i think i think it's it's basic human psychology that some people in a performance review will will be will, will receive better reviews than others and then there's a sense of jealousy there's a sense of being left behind i think measuring people against each other is wrong in in principle so so it's very difficult to get just right um and that's why I, I've, I've been through a few iterations of different systems and and we never seem to get it just right um but obviously what was the closest you've seen i mean you mentioned one of these um you know frictions is a deep psychological challenge i don't think that's easy to fix uh what's what's the best you've seen or something that you would recommend or you know probably apply at your new company yeah so I'm a, I'm a big fan of of um of continuous uh, feedback and that is not so much relying on the tool that you use um but more on the on on your leaders and the way they form relationships with their employees uh, i think it's extremely important to create or to nourish a relationship of openness and, and honesty um, that will allow you to give positive and, and negative feedback whenever you, you want and kind of summarize that in a, in a monthly or in a, in a, in a monthly session um, and then in a, in a quarterly like, official feedback moment. Um, and then it's, it's good to, to cover both the, the output, what is, what is expected of you or your actual performance, um, but also to focus on the development of the employee and completely separate those two things. Um, so where we've, where we've tried doing that and where we think we were relatively successful was in Foodora, um, where feedback was given in a very open uh, format. So along two questions, what does this employee do well and what could they do better? Um, and those, those sort of review cycles or those feedback cycles were completely detached from, from the actual performance uh, cycles. Um, yeah, that is that is a model that we then copied again in uh, in Glovo. And this is like a 360 at the end of the day, or who does feedback for who? Yeah, it it is a 360. Um, the 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 manager reviews the employee, employee reviews uh, manager, um, and the employee is reviewed by a number of peers um, in and around the team. And and I think I think the, the question is then often, uh, who, who do you? Who do you ask to perform these? Uh, yeah. yeah, because it's every month, right? So as, as short as the question is, uh, you want people to stop for like 10 minutes and think about this other employee. Yeah, so in, in, in Glovo, we actually didn't do it every month. We did it um, once every six months because it, it is a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, and especially because it is qualitative, it, it takes quite a bit of time to review um, everyone. And so I, I would actually suggest if, I'll start implementing a, a performance review system here again soon. Is to is to do it regularly, but um, boil it down to adjectives rather than entire text uh, about what someone is is like and how they performed. Um, yeah, just to just to get more data that isn't necessarily as rich, but is um, much more useful. And then you'll run these adjectives through some machine learning and AI and eventually get some conclusions, right? I hope so, yeah. We can, we can do some heat mapping of, of, of what, what someone is like and how they, how they are perceived by the team. Okay. Uh, interesting. That, that, that was very interesting. I mean, I think uh, we covered a lot of different topics that uh, you know, can, be, can be useful for, for some other HR professionals that are following our podcast. Uh, one thing that you touched on briefly, but I'm very curious. 
um, there is HR, I mean, one of our um, key values for Factoria and one of our drivers is to bring some of the good practices that large enterprises have developed around HR and, you know, technology and, and uh, processes and, and so on and techniques into the, SME, into the SME, right? So allow, democratize HR basically for small and medium companies. What do you think big companies do better than small companies? I mean, other than everything in terms of HR, right? So what do you think, if, if you think they, they do anything better than small companies? Yeah, um, I, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of, um, of, of standardized testing or, or of, of, of assessments. Um, and it is because I, I think they're, they're very difficult to, um, to cheat. Uh, and they, 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 t- they, they tell a lot about the, about the, the basic building blocks of, of what someone is like. Um, so I, I believe a lot in getting to know people um, on, on a very personal level. Uh, to, to know what what drives them, what's really important for them, and how we essentially uh, what what what's, what environment we need to create to make them a hero in their own story here at at work. Um, and for that, it's important to just be completely honest with each other. And I think personality assessments are are a very good way to to approximate um, the truth. It sounds like a contradiction, no? To know to know someone very deeply, you want to do a standardized personality test. I mean. Makes sense. I understand what you're saying, but it sounds like a big challenge. Does it, like you, you saw it work. Come again? You saw it working. You, you saw this combination of standardized personality testing, uh, batteries and so on for really knowing candidates before you went through with them. Yeah. So, so we, it's, it's not, we, we've applied it in different stages of the, of the interview process. Um, sometimes someone's experience and knowledge is just too valuable to, to let go of a, of yeah. a candidate, then, but then it's more of a sanity check towards the end. Um, and we, we've often used it completely towards the end of the, of the process or even after an offer um, for the manager to get to know what their employee is like and what motivates them and how they should talk to them and, and who they should group them uh, with. Um, so I think it's very valuable there. Welcome, John, the new psychopath of your team. <laughs> I hope it <laughs> sounds, sounds challenging, but no, I, I, I've seen them work a couple of times and it's, uh, it's interesting how accurate they tend to be. Uh, we, we run them with, with very junior salespeople who have so little experience that it's, you know, you sit across the table from them in an interview and you don't know what to ask. It's like, what did you do? Well, I went to school, you know, and what do you like to do? And they kind of say like the obvious things that they, they think you want to hear, uh, which is not what you want to hear. And, and the personality test was actually more interesting. Okay. And um, is there anything that you think small companies are better than large companies in terms of HR? Um, I, th- I think, so most of them hire someone that, is, um, uh, is, is very extroverted, very personable, like a typical HR mom, um, which who ends up doing everything and doing everything really, really well. Uh, and so, so that person is, is often admired throughout the company and, and new employees can feel that uh, because they get all the personal attention that they, that they need, that, that, that every employee should need. I think in, in larger companies, it becomes much more institutionalized and then Every onboarding is the same. Every package that new employees receive on their desk, no matter how well meant, is 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 the same, um, and it's all part of a process. Uh, I think I think the the lack of processes in smaller companies makes it feel more authentic um, than than being being thrown or being dragged rather through through an onboarding process or or an interview process in a large company. 
Yeah, of course, there is the, the downside of having an employee show up and there is no laptop, no chair, no desk for this employee, which I'm sure you've seen. I've definitely seen this happen many, many times, unfortunately. <laughs> Sometimes we're not ready for the growth that's coming. Uh, okay, so I have the last question for you. Are you ready? <laughs> so the question is, uh, imagine you were you know, younger you and uh, you realized you were not going to be uh, Indiana Jones. You would actually end up working in HR. Uh, what what do you wish you know younger you knew <laughs> before you got in HR? That's a good question. Um, I hmm. uh, about about the HR sort of environment or or about life in in general. Surprise us. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think the biggest um, the the best piece of advice to give anyone is to um, be completely honest at all times uh, with with the people that that you work with but also with yourself I, I see now in HR people are, are desperate to get into some company just because they have a cool brand name or, the, or because they imagine themselves in their company or in their role um, and often they haven't been honest with themselves they haven't figured out who they really are um, and they end up being miserable um, another thing that I've learned is that um, you should find a, a, an environment where you uh, thrive working really, really hard and struggling for it. Uh, find, find ways or reasons to struggle every day. Um, because okay. I, think, I think success... That translates to passion probably, right? Like the, what you're defining sounds to me a little bit like passion. Yeah, but, but I'm also a bit skeptical, skeptical about people that, that claim they have a, a, a passion and... Um, and that they uh, that's, that's something that they live for I don't think there's many people that live for the company other than maybe the founder um, but, <laughs> but but even if you even if you're not the founder and you decide that you're going to work really really hard for something and you're going to surround yourself with challenges that you don't really have the answer to every time you fix one of those or you meet one of those challenges and you fix the problem um, you're gonna feel good about yourself and, and that way you optimize for success um, which will in turn make you feel happy um, Okay. Thank. We'll take that piece of wisdom for you know younger Peters that are listening to the podcast. We'll we'll leave it there, Peter. It's been super interesting. Uh, there's a lot of things to change in HR. You know, small companies and large companies alike. Um, we'll you know we'll hope that some people enjoy enjoy your experiences, your opinions, and and the good practices that that you recommended today. Uh, it was a pleasure having you today. Thank you very much, by the way. I'm very jealous of the views you have, you know, wherever you're working on. <laughs> Although we're in the same city, your views are much nicer than ours. Thank you so much, Peter. Have a good day. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a good day. So that was our podcast today. Uh, see you next week. If you like this, subscribe to our channel and don't forget to tune in next week to HR Masters.